So uh, what I want to talk about today is we're going to continue on with, um, with what we've been talking about the past couple weeks, and I want to catch you up to speed so that we're on the same page, is we started out several weeks ago, I think five weeks ago now, just saying that the Christian's approach to identity formation is really weird. The Christian approach to identity formation is weird, meaning it's weird, meaning it's different than what sort of what, what the rest of the world believes. What normally is taught or what's no, normally believed is that in order for you to be able to understand who you are, in order for you to understand what your identity is, first you have to look in. You look in first. You look in into the recesses of your soul. And, you know, you look in, you just see, like, who am I and how am I feeling about things, you know, and, and, and dare, you know, nobody should speak against any of those things that, that you see inside of yourself because those things are sacred, those things are holy. So in our culture, you know, we believe this typically that, you know, I look in first and then once I look in first and then I'll be able to finally have eyes to look out to the rest of the world and I'll be able, then I'll be able to understand who God is and I'll be able to understand, you know, like just how the world works. And Christianity is different than that. We have a unique approach. Um, a Christian, the Christian approach to identity formation is not inside out, it's outside in. It's first we look out to God, our creator. Who, who does he say that I am? Because he's the one that made, made me. He's the one that made this world. We look out to him first, and then I'll be able to have eyes to see who I am. It's a completely different approach. And, um, and what we've said is that the Bible has a lot of metaphors to describe us, to us like what God is like. And so one of them would be the metaphor of a, of a father, of a good father. And so we've done sermons on that in the past. Um, there's some other metaphors out there. But one of the main driving metaphors in the Bible about who God is, is it says that he's a shepherd. And then therefore it means that we are sheep. It's the shepherd and sheep relationship that is all throughout scripture. And, uh, and here's what we've said the last couple weeks is that this sort of understanding that I'm a sheep and he's a shepherd is, is insulting and it's liberating. It's both of those things at the same time. It's insulting because it's not a compliment to be called a sheep. Um, if anybody's owned a sheep or like, you know, herded sheep or, you know, taking care of sheep, you just know that, I mean, sheep are the most defenseless animal out there. Sheep just can't, just can't make it on their own. I mean, sheep get lost easily. A couple of weeks ago, I, you know, I, I said that sometimes sheep get cast. You know what that means is that they fall over and they literally can't get up. Remember those life alert commercials? I've fallen and I can't get up. That's exactly what happens to sheep. Literally, there are sheep that they, they just can't get up and they need somebody to come and help them to their feet. It's insulting to be called a, sh a sheep and yet at the same time, it's liberating. It's liberating because it's the thing that needs to happen first before we are able to open up our eyes and look to a savior. See, if you don't think that you're a sheep, if you think that you're a shark, then you're not gonna look to a shepherd because sharks don't need shepherds. Sheep need a shepherd, and we need a savior. And so it starts with just this humbling declaration of God, I recognize I am a sheep. I'm not as smart as I think I am. I needed more help than I think I do. And it starts there. And when it starts there, then we have eyes to look to um, the great and good shepherd. Um, this affects all of us, by the way, whether you believe that God's a shepherd or, you know, not, I don't know what, you're, what you believe here today. I'm so glad you're here. But even if you don't believe any of that stuff about who God is, listen, make no mistake. Listen, listen, you will be shepherded by something. I will be shepherded by something. We will all be shepherded by something. If it's not God, then it's going to be your feelings. If it's not God, then it's going to be your past 
or it's going to be your wounds from your past. Um, if, it's, if it's not God or some of those other things, it's going to be your pursuit for, for success and significance and, and money. Um, you know, wh- whatever it is, you will be shepherded by something. We all will be. And so here comes God stepping onto the scene, knowing that he created us this way because he created us to be sheep looking for a shepherd. And yet we become sheep that often follow our appetites. And this is what we talked about last week. If you missed last week, you just need to get online and listen to it. But the reason why sheep wander is because we because we're always following our appetites. And we think if I could just get to that grass over there, I'll be satisfied. But God didn't make us that way. God created us to be sheep who are where the only place where we can find satisfaction is when we are with the good shepherd. So we've been looking at this the last couple of weeks and the, kind of like our text that it's sort of been like rooted and, and grounding us is this, this passage, this, this chapter. It's a whole chapter in the Old Testament. It's the most famous chapter in the Bible. It's Psalm 23. Even if you're not a church person or a Christian, chances are you probably even have pieces of this chapter memorized, which is kind of crazy. That it's just so pervasive in our culture. You've probably heard it at every funeral. And it's this passage of scripture that's in movies when people pray, you know. Or, uh, or like when like the mob boss is about to kill someone, you know. Like sometimes like parts of this chapter get quoted, you know. I mean, it's just, it's all throughout culture. But in it, I mean, there's so much stuff for us. And so today, here's where I'm going, okay. Here's where I'm going today. Is today, um, you know, the first, we talked about the good shepherd. Last week we talked about the section of where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And today I want to talk about leadership. I want to talk about leadership. Um, Think about, I want you to think about the like really good leaders in your life. Just take a moment. I'm going to give you a moment. Just, Just like let them come to mind. Think about good leaders in your life. Some of you might be thinking of a parent, perhaps. Some of you might be thinking of a teacher that that was really influential in your life. Some of you you're thinking about a boss um, that you had. Who knows, even if they, maybe they didn't even have a title necessarily, but they were, they were a leader in your life. Think about good, good leaders in your life. We've all been influenced by really, really great leaders. Um, now, here's another question. Do you consider yourself a leader? Think about it. Look at your life. Do you consider yourself a leader? A lot of people don't. In fact, you're shaking your head now, all right? I'm going to convince you by the end, okay? You're going to be going like this by the end of the sermon, all right? Okay. Okay. Um, uh, but most people don't consider themselves to be a leader. It's because I don't have a title, what a lot of us would say. Like if I was the boss, you know, then I'd be a leader. Or if I had this position, I'd be a leader. Uh, but that's just not the case. I mean, all of us in some capacity, shape, or form, we're, we're leaders. We're leaders in, in some of us in bigger spheres, some of us in smaller spheres. But it doesn't really matter. We're all leaders in, in some way. In fact, at the end of the day, we all just kind of have to lead ourselves. So in a sense that you, you ha- you're a leader because you're leading yourselves. But, and, you know, parents in the room, you're, you're, another word for parent is leader. You're a leader. Um, in, in, in your homes, you're leading your kids. You're single. You don't, have, you, know, you don't have kids. you got some roommates, perhaps. I mean, you know, you might not have a title, but you know what you're constantly sort of doing, you know, in your apartment, you know, in your house that you're renting together? You're, you're, you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't put this title on it, but you're, you're leading each other in, in, in all sorts of ways that you couldn't even put your finger on. Um, certainly at work, you know, you've got employees, you know, some of you have people under you and so you consider yourself a leader to them. But even if you're kind of like at the bottom of the totem pole in your, in your particular workplace, you'd be so surprised if you, if you took a second and just sort of used some different language, you'd be surprised to just see how much we were leading each other, even if you don't have a title, even if you're not at the top. 
of the food chain. All of us are leaders, um, it's just a fact. Um, and here's what I want you to get today, is that leadership is a big deal. Leadership is a really, really big deal because we've all been affected by good leadership and we've all been affected by poor leadership, haven't we? We've all been impacted. Um, your parents, a lot, of your, a lot of your parents led you well and a lot of your parents didn't lead you well. And you're still wrestling with the aftermath of your parents not leading you well. We've all been influenced by good leaders and we've all been influenced by bad leaders in the home, certainly, in the workplace, at churches, in schools. Leadership is a big deal because it impacts a lot. Um, and the next point is this, leadership makes all the difference. Leadership makes all the difference. It makes all the difference at home. It makes all the difference at work. It makes all the difference at school. You know, it makes all the difference because you could, uh, let's talk about teaching for a second. Because I, I remember I went to Lane Community College when I first moved down here from Washington. And I had to kind of get all these classes under my belt. And I had to, and one of the classes I picked uh, was, uh, was an economics class. And I didn't know anything about economics. And frankly, it sounded pretty boring to me. But I was like, I got to get the credit. And so I'm going to go take this economics class class. And I remember sitting in this class and the teacher of this class at Lane Community College, I don't remember his name, but he was a phenomenal teacher, like just an incredible teacher. And I remember sitting there just like, and, and I would want to go to econ class because it's like, you're just learning so much. And you know what? It had like less to do about the content and it had more to do with the presentation and the teacher. You know what I mean? Because a good teacher, good leaders, good leadership makes all the difference. Because I remember sitting there and thinking, man, if this teacher was boring, this would be the most horrible class I've ever taken in my life. But that teacher just, just he just made it interesting. That's good leadership. Um, one person around here that I just want to honor is Jeff and Kelsey Graytrack. I don't know, they're, they're probably serving someplace in the, they're probably across the way. They might even be able to hear me say their names over there. Uh, but here's what you got to know about Jeff. Jeff and Kelsey have been leading our high school group for a lot of years. And, and those of you that know Jeff, just know. Jeff can take the most boring moments of like human existence and turn them into a game that's hilarious and fun. I mean, he's just, he's just so gifted at it. That's why he's so good at just leading so, so many of our students is, is uh, you know, they could be on a mission trip and like in the airport and then they have, you know, the, the plane got delayed and so they have to sit in the airport. And, you know, like maybe a normal sort of leader would be like, oh, you know, this is lame. We've got to wait longer. And then all the kids would be like, yeah, this is lame. Not with Jeff. Oh, no. Just the delay of the airplane just makes it like, just like it's like a playground for Jeff. Because he'll just come up with games, and pretty soon kids are running through the airport and, you know, just like having a blast. Um, you know, and he, Jeff is so, so good at that. Um, you, do you know what I call that? That's good leadership. It's good leadership. Because it makes all the difference. Good leadership makes all the difference. What does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with Christianity? Uh, here's the answer. What does this have to do with any of that? Here's what it is. Is good leadership... Just like it does at home and work and school, good leadership matters to the mission of us as Christians. Good leadership matters to the mission. It matters to the mission. Here's why. is because we really believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We really believe that he's God incarnate. We really believe that he, he died for our sins. We really believe it. And here's what else we believe. We believe it's the best news that a human being could ever hear. 
that it's the best thing that a human, it's, it's the, it's, we believe it's, it's uh, to use biblical language, we believe it's living water, <laughs> that it's the thing we thirst for, to know that we have a God that loves us, not based on our performance, but just based on his grace and care for us. That's the best news anyone could ever hear. And so we want people to know about that. We want people to experience that. We want people to experience that in community. And so you know what that's going to take? It's going to take, it's going to take people who are good leaders. It's going to take good leadership because good leadership matters to the mission. It matters to the mission. Um, in fact, you know, you could say it like this. Um, the reason that a lot of you are Christians is because someone somewhere at some point led you. Isn't that true? I mean, so many of us are here. We're here because at some point, somebody was a leader in our life. And they wouldn't even maybe even call themselves a leader. But nonetheless, they, they, they led you in a way. And I'm not just talking about like led you into, in, a, in some sort of a prayer, although maybe they did. But they were just, they came alongside you in your life and, they, and you took next steps. And you didn't even necessarily know that you were taking next steps at the time. But somebody came alongside and they, they led you. That's why we're here. I'm thinking about when I was in high school, my, my friend um, Andrew Hartman. Andrew Hartman was just like another kid at school. Um, he was, you know, he, he was just, there's something about Andrew where it's like you, you see him and you think, I just, there's something that that guy has that I, that I need. There's something about that guy. There's this like, there's this joy, but, there, but it's, it's more than that. It's that what is it about him? And so you, you come alongside somebody like Andrew, and before you know it, like, I'm dressing like Andrew, you know, because that's, that's how it goes in, like, middle school and high school. Like, I just start to emulate him, you know? And, and then, like, but then he just, it's like he, he led me in so many different ways to see how, how it's, it's worth and how it pays to follow Jesus. And that was the beginning for me. And if you asked, if you asked Andrew if he was a leader, he probably wouldn't say that he would. He didn't have a title. He was just a peer in my life. But good leadership matters to the mission. Here's what else I know. Do you know what hurts the, the Christian mission most? Do you know what hurts our mission most? Bad leadership. Isn't that true? I mean, what really hurts our mission? And I'm not just talking about from like the pastoral churchy level, although, although a lot of us have experienced that. You went to a church and there was, it was, it was, you could call it toxic leadership. It was, it was ugly. It was, it was controlling and manipulative. I, I don't know what the story was and maybe from a past church, but man, isn't that one of the things that maybe caused you or maybe has caused some of your friends to say, if that's what Christianity is about, no thank you. In fact, you might be back after, after being gone a long, long time because you had an experience with somebody who said that they were a Christian, but, but there was something toxic there. And that was the thing that you said, you know what? I just, I'm, I'm, I'm gone, I'm out. And so all the more reason for us to remember that, that leadership, it matters. It matters to our mission. And good leadership really makes a difference in order for us to help people know who Jesus is. And when I talk about leadership, I don't mean just like from the leader at the front, because you know, I'm, I get to be the pastor of the church, but here's what I want you to get is, is I'm not, I get to lead in some capacities, but I can't lead in your context. We all get to be good leaders and developing leaders and growing leaders. And whatever our industry is, whatever our field is, even just, and not even just, I mean like primarily in, in our homes, 
We just get to, we get to lead well in those environments. We all need to get better at leaders, to being better leaders. So here's what we're doing today is, today's going to be like a different, different kind of a sermon, okay? Because nobody's going to need any Kleenex today, all right? Not that people need Kleenex when I preach or anything, but, um, but you'd be surprised. Some people come to Westside and they're like, at my last church, we had Kleenex everywhere and there's no Kleenex here. Uh, yeah, we're just, we're not like big criers here, you know? I'm not, I'm not trying to like manipulate your emotions, but this morning, I'm definitely, it's not going to be like a crying message because it's definitely going to be like, here's some leadership principles, Okay, I'm gonna, and I love talking about this stuff because I want to be a better leader, and I and I feel like, and I'm I'm trying to grow as a leader all the time. And maybe you think about this all the time, and so this is the water that you're swimming in already. But maybe for some of for some of you, you don't normally think like this, and so today is going to be like sort of a shotgun approach. I'm going to just kind of shoot some leadership principles at you, and hopefully one of them lands. All right, maybe two of them will land, maybe all of them will land, and that'll be that'll be good for all of us. But what I want us to do is what what I want you to see is leadership matters to our mission. Let's, let's, be be, let's be good leaders. Let's be developing leaders, growing leaders. And when we're looking at Psalm 23, guess what? There are so many great leadership principles just tucked away in this chapter. Let's read it together, okay? Because we've been reading it these last few weeks. Let's read Psalm 23. And like we've done in the past couple weeks, can we read it together again? That'd be good. So let's do it. Uh, ready, go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So many good leadership principles in here. Here's just a few. You guys ready? Here's the first one. Is good leadership understands that influence doesn't come from titles, it comes from relationships. Good leadership understands something really key, that influence doesn't come from titles, Primarily, it comes from relationships. This is where we get tripped up so much. Me, I'm not a leader. No, I'm not a leader. I don't have the title. If you just give me the title, then I'll be a leader. Just give me my name with the plaque on it and the title underneath, and I'll put it on my door. Then suddenly, people will listen to me. Now, suddenly, I'll have influence in people's lives. Just give me the title, please. And you guys know that's not how it works. In fact, if you were to come to me asking for a job here at the church, and you'd be like, listen, I'm a leader. And I'd be like, okay, cool. I like the enthusiasm. And then you'd be like, okay, so what I need to be like a real true leader around here is if you just give me a title of pastor, then I'll like really start pastoring people. And I'll be like, "Um, who are you pastoring now? Oh, well, I'm not pastoring anybody now. I'm not like really, you know, discipleship now. But you just give me that title. And then, oh boy, I'm going to get to work. Right? Like, that's, that's my response. That's not happening, right? Because the title doesn't give you the influence. Here's, what, here's what's so cool about this, this metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd. The shepherd is in the field with the sheep. The shepherd is in the field with the sheep. This is significant. The shepherd isn't off in some office somewhere, like phoning it, you know, like hiring the hired hands to be in the, the field for them. No, the, the shepherd is in the field with the sheep. The shepherd is getting dirty with, with the sheep in the field. Do you see what I mean? 
It's this relationship where the influence comes from. I read an article years and years ago that was so, so helpful. It was about leadership and in like kind of sort of like this new world that we live in. And one of the very, the very top of the article, it said, be more like Dorothy instead of the wizard. <laughs> be more like Dorothy instead of the wizard. Because what, what's Dorothy? I mean, Dorothy in the story, in, in The Wizard of Oz, she's, you wouldn't call her a leader, but you know, she's an incredible leader. <laughs> if you look at her life, because she kind of like plops in, she, she doesn't know that much, right? She doesn't even know, real, the only thing she knows is that we're supposed to follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> That's the only thing she knows. I think we're supposed to go this way. And so what does she do? She grabs people that lack heart. She grabs people that lack courage. She lacks people that lack smarts. And she's like, I think we're supposed to go this way. Let's go. And they're like, yeah, let's go. And then they skip down the yellow brick road. Now, what's the difference? Now we get to the, now we get to the wizard. And what's the wizard? See, if you remember the story, the wizard is nobody special either. I mean, but, he's, but what is he doing? He thinks that he's going to get authority and control and get people to follow if he could just be like the scary man behind the curtain, you know? And he's just going to like big booming voice. And it's like, I'm the wizard of Oz. And then, oh, but, you know, I'm going to, and flashing fire. And, you know, people are going to be scared and follow. And what we get from that story is, that's, that's, you know, you're going to get people to follow you for a little bit. In fact, if you try to leverage your title to, to influence people, that might work initially, but it'll cause resent, mark my words, it'll cause resentment down the road. It won't work in the long run for you. If you try to leverage the title, it will work at the beginning because it will strike fear in the hearts of the people you're trying to lead, but it won't work in the long run. And listen, guys, I get it. It's easy to do, and I do it sometimes at my home. I leverage the, the father title sometimes in my home. And, the way, and, and I know I'm in trouble when I start leveraging the father title because it's usually my last resort. <laughs> I start with relationship. I start with the relational equity that I have. And then when I get desperate, finally, I'm like, you know why I want you to go to bed? Because I'm your father. <laughs> because I have the title, right? Just obey me, right? And I know we've all resorted to doing that. But, uh, but you know, if, if, uh, if that's your go-to, if that's the first thing you go to, oh, people should follow me in my industry because I've got a title. Listen, that might work at the beginning, but it, it won't work for you. It's not, it won't give you lasting influence. Lasting influence doesn't come from titles. It just doesn't. It comes from relationship. It comes from relationship. That's where it starts. Um, here's the next one, is number two, good leadership leads from the front instead of behind. It leads from the front instead of behind. Um, I love cowboy movies. Um, 310 to Yuma is my favorite cowboy movie, um, but there's so many other cowboy movies that I really, really, really love. And, uh, you know, cowboys are glamorized in, in like pop culture in, in Hollywood, right? Um, shepherds, not so much. I don't know any movies about a shepherd. Do you, do you, maybe there's one out there. Uh, I guess Babe would be the one <laughs> that's about a shepherd, I guess. But you know, I don't know any movies about a shepherd. I, just, I know tons of movies about cowboys. And here's the difference between cowboys and shepherds. Here's, here's the difference. See, cowboys drive the herd, but shepherds lead the sheep. There's a big difference in leadership there. Big difference. Cowboys, they're in the back. Yeehaw, you know, crack the whip. Come on, you know, go, go, go. But shepherds lead in a different sort of way. Shepherds are with the sheep, but they're out front. Shepherds lead like this. So you can lead two different ways. You can lead out front like this, like, hey, follow me. Or you can lead from behind with, like, with a gun, 
you know? Come on, go, go, go. Have you ever been led by that, by like your boss or by a parent? It's not, it doesn't feel good, right? It doesn't inspire leadership, it doesn't inspire growth to just be like, you know, poked and prodded from behind. And so that's why the shepherd, he, the shepherd leads, the shepherd leads from the front. The shepherd always leads from the front. Um, I, the way that this happens, I'm using lots of parent examples, but just translate that into whatever your context is. But I just know like with toddlers, uh, what's an easy th- habit to get into with toddlers, if you like, if your toddler is playing with these particular toys over here and it's not going well, and you, here's what we tend to do. I'm like on the couch over here and I'm like, don't do that. Stop. Don't do that. Quit it. No more. You know, I'm just like yelling from the couch, right? That's like leading for, that's like, you know, come on. That's, that's trying to like push the herd. That's cowboying it up. It's just, that's not really good leadership. You know what's better leadership? Is you go over and you say like, hey, let's not play with these. Play with this. Look at how awesome this is. And you put a, like a new toy down there and pull out. Hey, let's read this book. It's proactive. Listen, it's easier to, to, to drive the herd from behind. It's easier. It just is. Leading from example from the front, it's harder. You know why? Because it's, frankly, it's just too slow for us. It's too slow. Like, I just want instant results. I want to be like, listen to me, stop, do that, do that. I just want to just yell it out, you know, send an email, done. But leading from example, it's just, it's just not, it doesn't feel as quick and immediate. But, man, but the payoff, the payoff. See, we, we've all heard this before. Like you, you lead by example, right? We've heard that. We've heard that. But yet, sometimes we just fall right back into barking orders, leading from behind, because it's just an easy place to drift. Listen, let's just get practical. Parents. Let's just talk to parents. and Listen, parents. If you, if you want your kids to love and delight in the Scripture, in reading the Bible, Please don't expect them to do, any, to, to do that if they're not seeing you delight and read your Bible. Because the church can't get that done for you if you're not leading out front doing that for them. Um, you know, workplace people. If, if you're bothered by the gossip that's happening in your workplace, then please don't expect that the gossip is going to subside if you are continuing to gossip about the gossip. If you're, if you're leading employees and you see them cut corners, then please don't expect them to stop cutting corners if you know, if you're, if you're not, if, if you're still cutting corners. If your employees see you cut corners, of course they're going to cut corners. They're learning it from their boss. <laughs> they're just following what they're seeing. If you want, if, if you want your kids to, to, uh, to see their money and, and see it as not their own and be generous with their money then please don't expect them to learn how to be generous with their money if your kids aren't seeing you be generous with your money. It ain't gonna happen. And you could bark at your kids all day long later on, be generous with your money, you know, from the back. But if you're not, if you're not shepherding them, if you're not leading them in that, it's not gonna happen. We know all this, but we all need to be reminded, I'm preaching to myself right now, okay? Next point. Oh, by the way, sorry, I gotta get to this, this is so good. 
Um, no wonder, no wonder that Peter, when he's writing to leaders in the church, listen to what he says. This is from the, the, from the New Testament. This is First Peter. His letter to some leaders in the church is so, so, I thought about doing a whole sermon on this, but I just decided to, to lump it into this one. Listen, it goes like this. Uh, Peter, he's writing to some leaders in the church, and he says, to the elders among you, he says, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. In other words, not, not leveraging your title, not like barking orders from behind. He says, no, but not lording it over those entrusted to you by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Um, so the shepherd is always out in front. It's harder. It takes more intentionality but it's always better. It'll yield better results in your home and at work and everywhere else. Here's next. Number three, good leadership cares more about people than what those people think about you. Good leaders care more about people than what they think about you. Ooh. You know this part in this passage? It's, uh, you know, the, it's, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. Now, what makes implies there's some resistance, right? To, to make a sheep lie down. And you got to wonder, like, why do you have to make the sheep lie down in green? Like, green pastures seem like that's really nice for the sheep. That'd be like making us lay down in a bed of bacon, you know? And then, like, we get to eat the bacon when we wake up in the morning, right? It's like it's a good deal. Uh, but this sheep, why does this sheep not want to be, to lay down in 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 this, in this nice grass. I mean, we're not really told, but what we're told is that there's some resistance. And so here's what a good shepherd has to do from time to time. A good shepherd, a good leader, has to lead people to do some things that they don't wanna do. And that takes some courage, and that takes some boldness. Because sometimes, sometimes you gotta love someone enough to make them to, to do something that they need, even though it's not something that they, they want to do. You don't have to make somebody do something that they already want to do. I've never had to make my kids eat donuts, okay? Never. I've never had to do that before. They just do it all on their own. It's like they're pre-programmed to eat donuts. But no, but I have to make them, in some instances, clean their room, okay? So, so, and sometimes they're frustrated at me, but that's kind of part of being a shepherd. So there's some really cool things in here. So why is this sheep being made to lie down? Why won't it lay down? Well, number one, it could just be stubborn. That could be one of the answers. Because sometimes sheep are stubborn. Sometimes we're stubborn. So maybe the sheep is stubborn. But I was reading this book. It's a really famous book. And some of you maybe have read it before too. It's by this guy named Philip Keller. And it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And it's this guy who was literally a shepherd for decades and decades. And, and then he goes and he writes and he reads this passage that we looked at. And he writes a whole book on all these insights that he has as a shepherd. 
And there's so many cool things in there. And one of the things I learned from this book that I didn't know before was that sometimes a sheep won't, let, won't lie down. Even in like green pastures, it won't lie down unless one of four criteria are, are met. Okay, all four criteria have to be met in order for the sheep to actually lay down, to be made to lay down. And so here's what they are. Is Philip Keller says, first, the sheep needs to feel safe from predators. So, you know, no, no coyotes, you know, no, nobody, uh, so it feels safe. And then it needs to be free from being pestered by flies or parasites. So a lot of times the sheep are just pestered by these flies and parasites. In fact, later in the passage, it says that you anoint my head with oil. Remember that part? Where a lot of times shepherds would put this special oil on sheep so that it would be, it'd be protected from all these parasites. The next thing that has to happen is that it's free from hunger. So it's just got to have a full belly, otherwise it starts to wander and it doesn't want to lay down. Or it's got to be free from friction with other sheep. So sometimes there's this like budding order, this pecking order with the sheep. And uh, they call it a budding order. I learned that from the book. A budding order. Okay. Um, by the way, next week, next week, um, you got to come back for next week. Because we're going to take our whole time and talk about number four. Because conflict with other sheep is one of the things that so many of us are dealing with. How do you deal with conflict with, these, with, with community? It's really, really tough. We're going to talk about that next week. But the, the, the shepherd needs to take care of all of these things in order for the sheep to be able to lie down. And here, here's what I read in the book too, is that uh, sometimes sheep are so sort of like, you know, they've got lice, they've got these bugs on them, and they just won't lie down. They won't get rest. And so the shepherd will li literally like bring in this big, like this big pool or sometimes you have to dig it out of the ground and you can put water in there and then you put some like some different kinds of oil and different kind of treatment in there and you, the sheep needs to get a bath in order to get all these parasites off of them so that they can rest and so they get them up in a line and the sheep have to get literally pulled into the water and the sheep don't want to do it of course and the sheep literally have to get their heads have to get pushed down into the water it's like a baptism, right? A sheep baptism. You have to baptize them in the stuff and pull them out. And then sometimes if they're extra gross, you got to push them down again. And imagine if you're a sheep. What are you thinking in this moment? Ah! I mean, you're like, this shepherd hates me. Like, what did I do wrong? I mean, the, the, you can't explain to the sheep what's happening. The sheep has no idea. The sheep doesn't know what's going on. But the, the good shepherd knows. And the good shepherd knows that sometimes a shepherd has to lead in a way where people don't understand what you're going to do. In fact, if you're taking notes, um, you can write this down. Is that It means that if you're going to be a good leader, it means that sometimes you're going to be misunderstood. It means sometimes you're going to have to lead people in a direction where they don't know yet that they need to go. And so they're, they're going to resist you. And if you're the kind of leader that's driven more by what people think about you, then you're never actually going to love people enough to do the things that need done. And you're always just going to placate and just try to be the good guy to everyone. And sometimes we do this with our kids. We still want to be the good guy. We want to be the hero. We do this at work. We do this all over the place. And that's not actually loving people well. It's not what the good shepherd does with us. Because you know what God sometimes has to do with us? You know what God sometimes has to do with you? Sometimes you are, you are in self-destruct mode. Sometimes you are doing things that you think it's fine and you think it's fun and you think it's great, but it's killing you and you don't even know it. And so sometimes God has to show up and sometimes God has to love you enough to be against you because he loves you. Sometimes God loves you so much that he's against you for you. 
And that's hard for us. You've had times. In fact, you, some of you, might, you might be in a moment right here this morning where you're like, you're angry at God for something. God, why, why didn't I get that promotion? God, why, how come I don't get to be with him or her? Or God, how come this or how come that? And I don't know, I don't know the answers to that. And I don't even know if you're going to be able to know the answers to that. But you're frustrated and angry. But maybe, could you just consider, consider that maybe God, even in a frustrating moment that you're having, maybe he's leading you well right now. Maybe he's loving you well. And you just can't see it yet. Consider it. If you're going to be a good leader, sometimes you're going to be misunderstood, just like God is often misunderstood. And he's okay with it because he loves us. Moving on. Number four, good leadership will meet people where they are, not where they expect them to be. Good leaders will meet people where they are, not where they expect them to be. Now, we should expect good things from our people. We should expect good things from our kids. But sometimes what we tend to do is I, want, I so want you to be like at letter M and you're at letter B. And I get so frustrated that I just like I'm, I want you to get there so quickly that instead of meeting you where you are, I just expect all these things from you over here. And what it ends up being is it ends up, is it ends up crushing, it ends up crushing people. I tend to do this with my kids. I've learned, I've learned that there's so many things that I want my boys to, to do better. But you know what? They're, they're, they're little. They're just young. And sometimes I just want them to be like, I want them to get all this stuff. And if I treat them like they should be at M instead of just meeting them where they are at B, what I'll tend to do is I'll follow them around, barking orders, like they're never, and they'll never do anything right because they're always doing things wrong because they're not at M yet. And so I'm treating them like they should be at M and they're just feeling like they're failing all the time. And I've gone through seasons as a father where I've just treated my kids like that. And every once in a while I have to stop and be, what, what am I doing? They're not at M yet. The best way to get them at, to M isn't to just like make them get there. The best way is to, can I, I'm just gonna meet them where they're at. Instead of focusing on all these 80 things, let's just focus on three things. Let's flush the toilet, right? Let's just start there. Let's, let's do these things. And man, that, you know, that just opens, that just, it makes me so much more fun to be around. <laughs> you know this passage where it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Remember that? He leads me beside quiet waters. One of the things I also learned from this book is that sheep, they don't like to drink from fast moving water. They just don't like to do it. And so what a shepherd will have to do is help a sheep find slow moving water. And sometimes that's around. But a lot of times it's not around. So you know what the, the, the shepherd has to do? The shepherd has to literally get in this little stream, grab a whole bunch of rocks, create like a little dam thing, a little eddy thing so that the water slows down so that the sheep will actually go and drink. And you know what that is? That's a little bit annoying. That's annoying for the shepherd. The shepherd's like, come on, guys, it's water. Just drink. It's fine. You're not going to go anywhere. But the sheep are scared. But you know what a good leader does is a good leader accommodates a good leader sees the people they're trying to lead, and instead of trying to get them there so quickly, a good leader comes along and says, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to accommodate. I'm going to meet you where you are. How can I help you? What do we need to change? What do we need to do? Do you know that this is, what, this is how God treated you and me? You know what we celebrate at Christmas? We celebrate Jesus coming and becoming like us, the incarnation. He didn't expect us to come to him. You know what he did? He came alongside us so that we could see him, so that we could follow him. That's what a good leader does. I gotta close, here we go, here's the last one. Is Jesus, this is the last point. Jesus is the best leader to follow 
and the best leader to imitate. He's the best leader to follow and the best leader to imitate. Jesus showed up and he said, I'm the good shepherd. And do you know what Jesus was? Jesus was a phenomenal leader, a phenomenal leader. I mean, we're still just scratching the surface of what kind of a leader Jesus was. So incredible, no training, no college, no degree. Jesus was the best leader. It's because he's God, because he's the good shepherd. And so if you want to learn how to be a good leader, you follow Jesus. Because you know what Jesus did? You know how he led? He shows up and he says, listen, I'm not going to use my position. Because Jesus could have. Jesus could have showed up and says, I'm God. Do what I say. Jesus didn't do that. He's not that kind of a God. He's not that kind of a boss. He's not that kind of a leader. Jesus shows up and he says, listen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to serve. I'm going to wash feet. And just as you've seen me done, now I want you to go and do likewise. I want you to follow me. Jesus didn't say, listen to me. He said, follow me, follow me, follow me. You want to be a better leader? You just look at Jesus. Um, if you want to follow someone worth following, Jesus is hands down the best person to follow. He's invited you to follow him. Follow him, follow him, follow him.